Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, and a man who calls it right down the middle, Dion Tyree Gordon. Enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. Last night, the Golden State Warriors took my beloved Los Angeles Lakers and put them inside of a body cast, then put that body cast inside of a body bag, and then took that body bag, put it inside of another body bag, took it to a Pilates class, let a fat bitch body splash, took it out and shot their ass, dumped it out in some more trash, and then used Kevon Looney's dreads to tie up the rest of the bag. That game was ugly. No limit sneaker ugly. Nicki Minaj Lizzo ass ugly. Dada, Chris Webber, Latrell Sprewell's shoes with a fucking spinner on the shoes ugly. The late great Kobe Bean Bryant's sneakers on Adidas ugly. The Kardashian sisters before all the plastic surgery ugly. Every single time a brother talks shit about black women and then chooses to get with a white woman, the white woman they chose, ugly. 127-100. Golden State mollywopped, decimated, obliterated, annihilated, mopped the floor, sent the Lakers to the upper room, to another galaxy, to a parallel universe, beat seven different shades of shit down the Lakers' leg last night ugly. I knew we were going to lose. I anticipated a loss. Even in the back of my mind, I also anticipated a blowout loss, a decisive loss, such as what I saw last night. I'm not even surprised. I'm not even mad. I'm not even upset. A lot of people, a lot of folks are losing their mind, going crazy, got their panties in a bunch about the outcome of last night's game. I spoke about this on the last podcast I did talking about this series. I anticipated Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warrior Brain Trust to come together and make adjustments, figure some shit out, a different plan of attack, play desperate, play hard, be more aggressive, be more assertive, attack, and win the game. And they did. You're not trying to go down 0-2 before you got to go on the road and play in Los Angeles. Lakers came in, won game one, 117-112. And in a lot of ways, they did exactly what I feared they would do. They showed up in game two. They played complacent, stagnant, lazy, laissez-faire, Cavalier basketball. And I don't mean Cavalier as the basketball team in Cleveland. I mean Cavalier as you're taking this game off. You're not trying that hard. Your effort isn't there. You're content with winning game one, taking a split, stealing home court advantage, and going back to Los Angeles with the series tied at one. The effort I saw from the Los Angeles Lakers last night was indicative of all of that. They didn't appear like a team that wanted to send a message and go up two games to none. I anticipated that. That's why I'm not that mad. I've been watching basketball my whole life. I know how this shit goes. Whenever the road team comes in and steals game one, they usually take their foot off the gas and get beaten by that desperate home team that knows in the back of their mind, we can't go on the road down 0-2. We got to get a win in game two. We got to take this victory and tie the series up one game apiece. Can't happen. 
can't go on the road down 0-2. Momentum is not in your favor. I had a feeling that was going to happen. Golden State made adjustments in game one. Lakers had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter of game one. And then Steve Kerr made the adjustment, take Kevon Looney off the court, put Wiggins in the five, put Draymond at the five, small ball lineup, spread the floor, spread the court, so Anthony Davis cannot just hang out and park himself in the paint and essentially play a one-man zone defense and protect the rim and influence shots and intimidate the Warriors as they tried to drive to the paint, to the bucket, and it worked. Make him step out on the perimeter. Do not allow him to play a one-man zone. It's not going to work. You cannot. I said this, and I don't want to come across as being someone who's trying to prove himself right. I'm just saying this to make a point. You cannot play Kevon Looney and Draymond Green together on the court against the Lakers. I've seen all of this before. Every year in the NBA playoffs, it's pretty much the same thing. Teams, coaches, coaching staffs, the players themselves, they all make adjustments from round to round. Different matchups require different players to get on the court. Jermichael Green didn't play a whole lot versus Sacramento. It was a poor matchup. It didn't make any sense for Jermichael Green to get extensive minutes against the Sacramento Kings, but against the Los Angeles Lakers, it made sense. And he had a phenomenal game last night. He's a good basketball player. He had some good years playing in uh, Denver and for the Clippers. He's a good basketball player, especially he can shoot from the perimeter, which is something that Kevon Looney can't do. Kevon Looney had about 23 rebounds in game one, and they still lost. And... Anthony Davis dominated him. Couldn't play. The adjustment was made. We're going to put Draymond at the five and have him be the primary defender for Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis was 0 for 5 whenever he was being guarded by Draymond Green in that game in game two last night. Anthony Davis was a ghost last night. Anthony Davis was like Steve Harvey and the Lakers were like Steve Harvey's first wife and his first three kids. He abandoned the Lakers last night, much in the same way Steve Harvey abandoned his first wife and first three kids. So that's why they lost. That's why the Lakers lost. Anthony Davis was a ghost, but at the same time, I'm used to this, unfortunately. He plays, this is who he is. This is consistent with who Anthony Davis is. One game, he's phenomenal. He's awesome. The next game, he's dog shit. He's the drizzling shits. And last night, Anthony Davis was the drizzling shits. It's not that hard. It's very simple. The Lakers go as Anthony Davis goes. Game one, 30 points, 23 rebounds, five assists, four block shots. Game two, Anthony Davis, 11 points on 5 for 11 shooting, only 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 blocks. So game one, he was 2001 Shaquille O'Neal, dominant and no one on the court could fuck with him. Game two, he was 2011 DJ Benga, just another guy. 
just another dude on the court, running up and down the court, getting the sweat. He basically had what I like to call a planet fitness game. The definition of that, a planet fitness game is where as a basketball player, all you're really doing is getting free cardio. You're running up and down the court. You're breaking a sweat. You're getting cardio. You might as well, when the game is over with, stop by the front desk and get your complimentary Tootsie Roll. You had a Planet Fitness game. They got free pizza on Mondays, and they got soda in the vending machine at a goddamn gym. Don't ask me why, but that's pretty much what Anthony Davis did last night. He had a Planet Fitness game, and he's been doing this All season, the majority of his tenure with the Lakers, he's been doing this. He's been consistently inconsistent. The Memphis series in the first round, he was great in game one. The Lakers won. Trash in game two. The Lakers lost. He was very good in game three. The Lakers won. Game four, not very good. They won in spite of him. Game five, Just kind of whatever. The Lakers lost that game. The whole team wasn't good in that game. And then game six, he was awesome. Game one against Golden State, he was great. Lakers win. Game two, fucking garbage. Lakers lose. So based off his own tendencies, his own proclivity, the Lakers are going to win the series in seven games. You know why? Because AD is good usually in odd number games. And he was already good in game one. So game three, I expect him to play at a high level. He'll be trash in game four. Game five, he'll be awesome again. Dog shit in game six. And then game seven, when we need him, he'll rise to the occasion and lead the Lakers to victory. All we need from AD is to be good in the odd number games. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. But for whatever reason, he cannot string together two consecutive good games. Against Memphis in game one. 22 points on 10 and 17 shooting, 12 rebounds. Game two, 13 points on four for 14. Game three, 31 points, 11 for 24, 17 rebounds. Game four, 12 points, 11 rebounds. They won in spite of him anyway. Game five, the Lakers get blown out. He individually, though, had a good game. 31 points and 19 rebounds. Game six, 16 points. 14 rebounds. Didn't really need him. The whole team as a collective won that game. Against Golden State, game one, 30 and 23, like I said. Last night, only, what, 17 points or 11 points, wherever the fuck it was. He was trash. And it's fine to say that. It's okay to hold your team and your players accountable. It's okay to say that. No excuses. The Lakers got their motherfucking wig split last night, but it's okay. It's one game. They don't award you extra credit or extra points for margin of victory. It's one game. Just like in the Boston and Philadelphia series, Philadelphia stole game one. Joel Embiid didn't even play in that game, sat that game out due to knee soreness. James Harden, 45 points. A great playoff performance by James Harden. Can you believe that? Holy shit. Of course, there was no pressure on him. No Embiid. You're not expected to win anyway. And he went out and had a great game. And then game two, Embiid came back, and the Sixers got their asses handed to them by 34 points by Boston. Same thing in this series. The home team's going to play desperate in game two. There's no need to ring the alarm, to panic, 
to go overboard, all these ridiculous, bombastic, over-the-top proclamations from all these idiots and slack-jawed yokels and nincompoops and ninnies and dunces on television. There's no need for that. You got this handkerchief, head-ass Negro, Stephen A. Smith on TV, dogging Anthony Davis, talking about, I'm going to be there this Saturday. I'll be there in the building. Everyone knows who I am. Everyone watches first take. What the fuck are you going to do? You going to beat this man up? You going to square up against Anthony Davis and kick his ass in the parking lot if he has a bad game? Shut the fuck up, man. What are you talking about? It's one game. Ain't no need for all this panic. We're okay. We are okay, Laker Nation. It's fine. We've seen this movie before. I know I have as a longtime, lifelong Laker fan. I've seen the Lakers get destroyed many times in the playoffs and then respond and rebound and win the next game and then go on to win the series. I saw Kobe and Shaq-led Laker teams get fucked up and then come back and win the series. We've been here before. It's only one game. The only reason for the only cause for concern I have is two things. Klay Thompson appears to be in the zone right now. He's been glorious the first two games. There's no answer right now for Klay Thompson. And you would think, and I hate to do this, man, God damn it, every time I give someone credit, every single time I sing someone's praises, whether it be an athlete or someone I know in real life, every single time I feel good and positive about someone and try to give people their flowers, they turn around and they shit the bed and they let me down. Austin Reeves, where are you? Do you still exist? What is going on? You can't defend and you're not doing anything offensively. I call you one of my top 10 favorite white people. You know what, man? Based on your performance in the first two games of this series, I got to take you out the top 10, man. Right now, you're disappointing me, man. You're letting me down. This always happens every single time I try to give people credit, especially white people. They usually let me down. I had you in my top 10. Get the fuck out, man. You're top 20 now. All right? You've been replaced. As a matter of fact, to be more specific, you've been replaced by comic book guy from The Simpsons, all right? Austin Reeves, first two games, worst games ever. Trash. Where are you at, man? Do you still exist? We need you. Step your game up, man. And Clay Thompson, right now we got nothing for him. It seems like all of the defensive energy and focus is being concentrated on Wardell, Stephen Curry, and with good reason. I mean, we know who that guy is, and we know what he's capable of. 50 points in Game 7. Last night, 20 points, 12 assists. You know, for anyone else, that's a great game. 20 and 12, a double-double. You contributed. 20 points, 12 assists. For Steph Curry, he set such lofty standards. His reputation is what it is. That looks pedestrian for him. That's basic. That's ordinary. That's rudimentary for someone of his caliber, of his stature. But for anyone else, that's a phenomenal game. But Klay Thompson had 30 points last night. So you limit Steph, quote-unquote limit Steph. He still has 20 points. But then the other guy, the other splash brother, gives you 30. And then off the bench, you get – well, not off the bench. He started last night. Jermichael Green gives you 15. As a matter of fact – 
All five guys for Golden State, all five starters had double-digit points last night. Draymond had 11. Wiggins gave you 11 points. Moody off the bench gave you 10 points. Dante DiVincenzo had eight points last night. I mean, you add all that up. I mean, you get like 127, right? That was the score, 127 to, the, to 100 for the Lakers. LeBron came out smoking last night. LeBron came out on fire. And then two points in the second half. I mean, it was a close game in the second quarter. The Lakers had the lead at the end of the first quarter. The Lakers scored 33 points in the first quarter. It looked like the Lakers were going to put something together and come out and respond. But then the Warriors go on a second and third quarter death run. Usually it's only a third quarter death run. Last night it was a a two-quarter death run. 41 points in the second quarter, 43 points in the third quarter, 84 points in two quarters. That can't happen. That absolutely can't happen if you're trying to win a basketball game. That's what they're capable of, though. This is who they are. Your reigning, conquering, defending NBA world champion Golden State Warriors can do that to you. They can quickly, in a hurry, fuck you up. One minute you're in the game, the next minute the game is over. It really was only a three-quarter game last night. Golden State had a 26-point lead at the end of the third quarter. The fourth quarter, a mere formality. As a matter of fact, LeBron, AD, did not play a second of the fourth quarter, which, I mean, that's appropriate. Good move by Coach Darvin Ham. Take your two best players off the court. There's no reason, there's no need for either of those guys to participate in the fourth quarter of that blowout basketball game. You're not going to overcome that deficit. Not happening. Go ahead and wave the white flag. Retreat and get ready and prepare yourself for game three. In the meantime, empty out your bench. Put Tristan Thompson on the court, which he did. Waylon Gabriel. Put uh, Malik Beasley on the court, and hopefully, I don't know, he can make some shots and find his confidence again and establish a rhythm. Like I said on the last podcast, Malik Beasley in a Laker uniform has missed more shots than Michael J. Fox at a gun range. He's not been good. Put him on the floor in the fourth quarter of a blowout. Don't have him on the court when it's a real game, when it's close, because he's going to fuck it up. Let him go out there in a blowout and hopefully find himself and regain his confidence. Rui Hachimura had a nice game off the bench, but it wasn't enough. Russell, Schroeder did some things in the first quarter. That was it. That was the only quarter of good basketball the Lakers played last night was the first quarter. Downhill after that, Golden State been lighting shit up from three, the first two quarters, the first two games of this series. What adjustments is Darvin Ham going to make? The pick and roll game been killing the Lakers the first two, uh, first two games of the series. And like I said, Steve Kerr made that adjustment to get Kevon Looney. Now, they said Kevon Looney was sick. Uh, That was the report that came out before the game by Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN. He said that Kevon Looney had an undisclosed illness. What the fuck does that mean? Does he have COVID? 
Either way, he was sick and played only 20 minutes last night and did not start. But his absence from the starting lineup benefited Golden State in the long run. So, Darvin Ham, it's your move now. It's a game of chess. What adjustments are you going to make? Is, is Tristan Thompson going to see more minutes going forward? Because the biggest advantage the Lakers have is size. They're bigger. They're stronger. They got taller basketball players. Are you going to try to exploit Golden State's biggest weakness, and that is their lack of height, and put a guy like Tristan Thompson or Mo Bamba on the court going forward? Lonnie Walker should get some more minutes going forward. You got to do something because the Lakers don't have the personnel to outshoot and outsmall ball Golden State. They don't. We're not a great perimeter jump shooting team. We got better in that department by offloading Westbrook and, and Patrick Beverly and making the trades and making the deals that they made to get better to get to this point. But we're still we're not in the same stratosphere as Golden State when it comes to outside perimeter jump shooting. Something's going to have to be done. And uh, going back to my man, Anthony Davis, I mean, it just seemed like the body language was off. It seemed like the effort level was off. You know, I hate to do this. I really don't like going down this rabbit hole. But from a conspiracy theory standpoint, it just looked like he wasn't even trying. That's the biggest thing. Like, if you if you go out there and you struggle, and you don't play well, and you miss shots, that's one thing. But if your effort, intensity, attention to detail, if it, if it doesn't appear as if you're trying that hard, it lends itself to the tinfoil hats, conspiracy theory, basement dwellers who think everything is scripted and rigged and phony and influenced by Vegas, it gives those people validity. It gives those people some credibility, a little bit, a skosh, a cunt hair of credibility based on your effort level. It looked like you weren't trying last night. And that's the, that's the most difficult part about it. It's one thing if you just get shut down, if the opposing team just takes you out the equation. But it's different if you appear to take yourself out the equation. And that's, that's kind of how it looked, like the effort level. He looked lackadaisical, lethargic. He looked, he looked lazy. He looked like he wasn't into it. And that's, the, that's why he gets so much flack. That's why handkerchief head Negroes like Stephen A. Smith are on TV reciting what appears to sound like or appears to be a WWE heel bad guy promo talking about what's going to happen this Saturday when I'm there I'm gonna be in the building everybody watches first take everyone knows who I am this Saturday at Staples Center in the steel cage is going to be me and you, Stephen A. Smith, Anthony Davis. One pinfall to a finish. Two men enter. Only one man will survive if you don't play well this Saturday. That's why people are on TV talking that way, because everyone sees the potential, the talent, the ability. We know you can be great. 
We know it's in you. We saw it in game one. You put it on full display for the entire world to see in game one. We know it's there. We know you can do this. We saw it in the bubble a couple years ago. We know you have the ability whenever you feel like it to be a top five NBA basketball player. So why is it not consistent? What's going on? What is the reason? What is the problem? Is it a lack of pussy? That shouldn't even be a problem. You play for the Lakers. Will Chamberlain slept with 20,000 women. Most of those women he fucked while he played for the Lakers. Magic Johnson got AIDS playing for the Lakers. Why do you think that is? Because he got so much pussy playing for the Lakers. Don't tell me Anthony Davis is A.C. Green. I don't want to find that out. Don't tell me that Anthony Davis is A.C. Green and not getting any pussy at all on purpose by his own choice. And that's the reason why he's so inconsistent and can't put together two back-to-back consecutive good basketball games. Don't tell me Anthony Davis is A.C. Green. Don't be A.C. Green. Be Wilt Chamberlain. Because while you're focused on being A.C. Green, Draymond Green and Jermichael Green are kicking your ass. We need you, Anthony Davis. We need better. We need more. We need consistency. Or... If you're going to follow the only good and odd number game model that you've established, if you're going to do that, then that's fine. But in game three, you can't fuck up, man. you got to be awesome. Game three, game five, game seven. Hold it down and we win four to three. I still trust you. I still believe in you. I'm not going to disparage Anthony Davis. He's all right. He's a great basketball player. Seems like a nice, good, down-to-earth dude. Seems like a good guy, all right? The only issue as a Laker fan is the inconsistency. Where are you? Enough about that, all right? Game three tomorrow at Staples Center. Make sure you say that correctly. Staples Center. Moving on, very briefly, I'll touch upon the other series. I already talked about Philadelphia and Boston. I think the the Celtics, to me, are the best team in the Eastern Conference. I fully expect Boston to come out the East and get to the NBA Finals. Embiid, first of all, congratulations to Joel Embiid, all right? Your 2022-2023 NBA League MVP. Congratulations. Game two, not so well. On the same day he was announced as the MVP, his team, the Philadelphia 76ers, got their asses kicked. 121 to 87. Boston took advantage of the fact that Embiid is hobbled, compromised, less than 100%, put him in pick and roll action, and destroyed him on the perimeter and kind of sort of made him a defensive liability. I think Boston has too much depth. That's why I say they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. They got too many guys to deal with. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Robert Williams. You got Malcolm Brogdon. You got Derek White and his receding hairline. You got all these great players, all these very good players that make a great team. And I just look at Boston 
as being the best in the Eastern Conference. And I don't know why they struggled to beat Atlanta in the first round. I don't know why they lost game one without Joel Embiid on the court. Why would you allow James Harden to take over the game and kick your ass and beat you the way he did? I don't understand it. I see, I see the Celtics winning this series in about six games, and that's all. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I don't trust Harden to have another great playoff game because I just look at the track record. That's all I do. I look at your own personal history. He's never played well consistently in the playoffs. That's just what it is. I'm not even trying to down or disparage James Harden. He's not my favorite basketball player. I'll go ahead and admit that, but I just call what I see. Based on his own personal history, he's never been a great player in the playoffs. Joel Embiid, always injured. He's hurt right now. So they got good. Tyrese Maxey is one of my favorite players. I like Tobias Harris a lot. You know, Philadelphia has a good team, obviously. They're still playing basketball this time of year. But I think Boston has a better basketball team, and they should win this series in five or six games. Uh, the other Eastern Conference series is going seven games. Go ahead and make that known right now. Go ahead and mark that down on your calendar. Knicks, Heat, tied up at one. My man Jimmy Butler, a.k.a. the illegitimate son of Michael Jordan, unfortunately got hurt in game one. Sprained ankle, did not play in game two. And Miami, to their credit, fought and battled and made that a game in game two. They could have won that game. The Heat very easily could have won that basketball game. Julius Randle, coming back from a sprained ankle of his own, helped New York win that game, but that was a close game. It went down to the wire. My man Kevin Love is out there looking like Wes Unsell throwing outlet passes. He's been phenomenal this series. Gabe Vincent, Struess, Bam out of bio. It's a good basketball team. I like Miami. I like Miami's culture. I like the way Miami approaches basketball. Uh, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, the brain trust down there. I love the way the Miami Heat play basketball. That's a scrappy, gritty, hard-nosed basketball team. If you're going to beat them, you're going to have to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. The Knicks, if they want to get to the Eastern Conference Final somewhere they have not been since 1999, if the Knicks are going to beat Miami, and on paper, the Knicks are a better basketball team on paper, but in reality... On the basketball court where it matters, Miami's going to make this tough. And even though Jimmy Butler is compromised right now, injured less than 100%, I look for him to come back in game three and play as well as he can play. It's going to be tough. The, the onus right now is on the Miami medical staff and the training team to get him back up to speed and try to get him on the court in whatever capacity he could be and try to win this series, they're not going to win without Jimmy Butler. Um, but if Jimmy can get back to, let's say, 80%, Miami can make this very competitive. And I look at this series going a full seven games. I like both I like both teams. I, like, I love Tom Thibodeau as a head coach. Not always crazy about him leaving star players in the game when the game's already been decided. He's done that before. That's how Derrick Rose got hurt the first time. That's how Derrick Rose tore his ACL. The game was already over. Chicago already had the game well taken care of. And then Thibodeau left my man Derrick Rose on the court a little bit too long, and then he tore his ACL. Derrick Rose currently plays 
for the New York Knicks right now, although he doesn't get that many minutes, but he's, he's still there. And Derrick Rose is one of my favorite basketball players of all time, someone I will always root for. Uh, I love Jalen Brunson. Randall has his moments here and there. Not always great, but they need him. The Knicks are not going to win without Julius Randle. I've seen a number of Knicks fans online saying they don't need Julius Randle. Are you fucking serious? How many nutcrackers have y'all had up there in New York City? All right, Ock, must be something wrong with those bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches, Ock. It must be contaminated. What's going on for any Knicks fan to say we don't need Julius Randle to win a playoff series? Are you out of your fucking mind? You absolutely need Julius Randle. You also need my man R.J. Barrett from Duke University. You know what's crazy? R.J. Barrett is having a better NBA career right now to this point than Zion Williamson. Even though Zion was the number one pick when both men came out of college, came out of Duke, and Zion came in with all that hype, R.J. Barrett has had a better NBA career. Simply put, R.J. Barrett actually plays basketball. He actually shows up to work. Unlike Zion, who's getting loaded up on beignets and crawfish down in New Orleans and can't keep his weight down and can't stay healthy, can't stay on the court, R.J. Barrett is taking his body seriously, taking his game seriously, taking his career seriously, and so far is having a pretty nice NBA basketball career. Josh Hart, another guy, Hartenstein, Obi Toppin, they got something going in New York City, and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it, the NBA is a better league whenever the Knicks are a good basketball team. It's good for the sports whenever there's a good basketball team in New York. I got bars. I'll say it again. Say it again. It's good for the sport whenever there's a good basketball team in New York. Plain and simple. Put that on a fucking t-shirt and send a royalty check in my direction. In the Western Conference, all right, the other Western Conference series, I'll take this opportunity, I'll take this time right now to issue an apology to the Denver Nuggets. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. All right, I was disrespectful. I was out of pocket. I spoke out of turn about y'all. You know what? Truth be told, I have not watched that many Denver Nuggets game, games this, this season. I apologize. Nikola Jokic is phenomenal. I've seen him play a bunch of times. Uh, I trust him. Uh, defensively, not that great, but offensively, good God almighty, he's fucking awesome. Nikola Jokic is similar to Luka Doncic. It must be a European thing where they play at their own pace. You're not going to speed them up, but they are going to slow you down. And it doesn't even look like they're all that athletic. It doesn't look like they're moving that quickly, but they get to where they need to go and they do whatever they feel like doing on a basketball court and no one can stop them. Jokic is a center and has phenomenal court vision. He can pass. He's pretty much a seven-foot-tall point guard, and he's got a game. He's, he, can, he can score on the, on the low block. He can step out from three and make shots. He's great. Phenomenal basketball player. He's got an unlimited tool bag. He's got an arsenal of moves he can deploy to get points. And he's a guaranteed, he's a walking double-double. Great basketball player. Jamal Murray, one of my favorite players. Good to see him come back from that torn ACL he had two years ago and regain 
his all-star status. Uh, good to see him back on the court doing his thing. He was excellent in game one. Game two, not so much, but they didn't need him. Jokic was great in both games. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is another great player on their team. Uh, out of nowhere, of all people, of all people, Contavious Caldwell Pope had a great game so far. Has had two great games in this series, but game two especially because Jamal Murray, as I said, wasn't all that great in game two. Didn't score that many points, but Contavious Caldwell Pope, former Los Angeles Laker, Contavious Caldwell Pope, who didn't do a goddamn thing for the Lakers the last two seasons he played for the Lakers. He was trash. He was good in the bubble. He helped the Lakers win their last championship, asterisk championship. But outside the bubble, he was he was nothing. He was the drizzling shits. He couldn't throw a rock in the ocean standing pier side. He missed more shots than a bad guy in a Steven Seagal movie. But yet there he is playing for the Denver Nuggets right now. And he looks like Ray Allen. What the fuck is going on? Why does this always happen? Everyone gets better once they leave the Lakers. I hate that shit. But, you know, KCP's having a good uh, resurgence, I guess, if, if you will, playing for Denver. He's contributing. And, and um, you know, Denver's a good basketball team. They got death. They got a lot of guys. They come at you in waves. They play good defense. And they can score. And they move the basketball. And they're a fun team to watch. People look down on Denver because it's Denver. It's a small market. No one really cares about the Denver Nuggets. But if you're going to be a basketball fan, just watch the men in uniform play basketball and appreciate their game and what they can do. And you should appreciate the Denver Nuggets. Um, I appreciate the city of Denver. I went to Denver back in, this, in December of 2022. It's a great city, man. The Mile High City for a reason. Plenty of good weed out there everywhere. Uh, no shortage of good cannabis leaf. In the mile high, emphasis on the word high, city. Uh, great hospitality, a lot of fun, a lot of shit to do. I, I highly, strongly recommend, especially if you're a pothead, take a trip to Denver, Colorado. You will not be disappointed. I love that city. It's awesome. Um, their opponents in that series, the Phoenix Suns, man, it's depressing. Chris Paul got hurt again. It's, it's that time of the year. It's the first week in May. Certain things are tradition this time of year. The Kentucky Derby, Mother's Day, and Chris Paul getting injured in the second round of an NBA playoff series. You can guarantee, you can bank on that. Those things are going to happen every single year in the second week of May. Go ahead and circle that on your calendar. Every single year, a bunch of smelly-ass horses are going to run laps in Louisville, Kentucky. A bunch of older women are going to be taken out to dinner at your local IHOP. And Chris Paul is going to pull a muscle or tear something or break something in an NBA playoff series this time of the year. This time, it's a pulled growing, suffering in game two. He left the game, did not return. According to Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN, if this, was, if this were the regular season, Chris Paul would be out about three to five weeks. He's already been listed as out for game three. 
He's he's out for the series. Call call it what it is. He's out for the series. He's done. And even if he does come back, it's not going to be at 100%. He's 38 years old. If he does try to come back prematurely, he'll probably get hurt again and re-injure the same thing. So, you know, it's sad to see, man. Chris Paul Chris Paul's another guy. I like Chris Paul. A lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of people hate Chris Paul for whatever reason because of dirty tactics over the years, you know, his style of play or whatever. A lot of people can't stand him. I, I, I have no problem with Chris Paul. Um, he's never done anything to my favorite basketball team, the L.A. Lakers. It is what it is, but it's he always gets hurt. He always gets hurt sometime in the playoffs, and it, it, it struck again. The clock struck midnight. And the team he's on, Phoenix, they gave up a lot. They gave up their bench to get Kevin Durant. They have no depth. Phoenix is a four-man, ba- a three-and-a-half-man basketball team, really a two-man basketball team. Chris Paul always gets hurt. DeAndre Ayton is soft. DeAndre Ayton is soft as baby shits. He has nothing. He has no heart. This guy's a former number one pick. Eh, I don't see it. He was effective in the first round because the Clippers were a beleaguered and beaten down, downtrodden, injury-depleted basketball team. And that appears to be the only reason why Phoenix advanced this far to the semifinals because it took advantage of a crippled basketball team. The L.A. crippled Clippers had nothing. They had no Kawhi Leonard. They had no Paul George. And Ivanka Zubac, a nice player, a decent player, he's not Nikola Jokic. And DeAndre Ayton steps up in weight class, and he couldn't handle it. This same guy in the first round referred to himself as Dominating, a play on his last name. DeAndre Dominating? Fuck, are you serious? What? Who have you ever dominated in the NBA? What are you talking about? Dude, there's pride, there's hubris, and then there's being ridiculous. Dominating? Come on, man. You're not dominating this series, that's for sure. You're getting your ass kicked by Nikola Jokic, and you know whether people want to admit it or like it or not. I know Ken- Kenny Smith went off about that the other night on Inside the NBA because they put up a split of Jokic's numbers and DeAndre Ayton's numbers, and, and you know it was embarrassing. It was so much in favor of Nikola Jokic, and Kenny went off about it, talking about well, they're not even guarding each other the entire game. Still, you're playing. DeAndre Ayton is the Phoenix Suns' big man. You need to step up. You need to answer, especially now that Chris Paul is hurt. And so far, he has not answered the challenge. And this series, to me, has got gentleman sweep written all over it. A five-game series in the favor of the Denver Nuggets. And Phoenix, that lack of bench depth, they had four points off the bench in game two. Four like eight different dudes combined to score four points. Four points off the bench collectively. Garbage, filth, trash, not enough. Nowhere close to being enough. You have no bench. DeAndre Ayton is not that great, not that good. And Chris Paul is hurt. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are two of the best scorers in the NBA. Both men can light it up. But... They can't score all the points. They can't outscore the entire Denver Nuggets basketball team. And I, I have no hope. I have no, no, no confidence that Phoenix 
can even make it a six-game series. I got the Nuggets in five, man, maybe even a sweep. This, this shit might be over in four because Phoenix ain't got enough, man. Let's call it what it is. Um, hopefully, my beloved Lakers can bounce back and rebound and get their shit together and you know pull out game three. You got to, to me. I think game game three is a must win. It sounds crazy to say that. If Golden State comes out and just runs the Lakers out the building in game three, I'll call I'll call that series in five. I you know I don't mind walking back or retracting statements. Just because I said something last week doesn't mean I can't change my mind the following week. It is what it is. You're allowed to change your fucking mind. Game three is pivotal. The Lakers have to win game three for a lot of reasons. If they go out and get embarrassed, if they if they get dog walked in game three, Golden State in five. If the Lakers win game three, Lakers in seven. That's that's my rationale. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So with all of that being said, this concludes this edition of the Dion Gordon Podcast. Eternally grateful, always humble, and very much appreciative. And remember, Anthony Davis, tread lightly like a woodpecker with a headache. Until next time, picture me rolling. I'm out.